Yo, yo, 2017, what's poppin'? It's your boy, Yinka Diz. Peace, this is Outlaw. And you're listening to the 80s Babies Podcast. That's right, what to do that, baby? It's the, it's the yeah. new year. It's the new year, new money, you know what I'm saying? Shout out to all the homies in new money. Uh, we back. And you know So uh, tell us a little bit about your new year, man. We talked about how, you know, I'm supposed to be the international traveler. <laughs> you're making me look bad. You out here going to Cuba. I'm seeing you in front of vintage right. cars. That's right, yeah. Trying to be like you when I grow up. Tell us about what happened over the new year. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I went out to, to Cuba with some folks, with uh, with, a, with a whole team of folks. My girl, she was uh, she did most of the organizing for it. Nice. So, but that was, uh, it was cool. Nice. It was, uh, I would definitely recommend it. I would say it's for um, the mature traveler that doesn't necessarily need to like wow out. Mm. Um, I feel like if anybody had this kind of like romanticized view of like what Cuba was like from like the 50s, maybe mm-hmm. what you saw in The Godfather, mm-hmm. that's not really there anymore. Um, so I wouldn't say it's necessarily an exciting place, but it's a dope place. It's really cool. So it's how, really chill. So how dope, but not exciting? Like why not like, exciting? So it dope? depends. Like like for me, like New Orleans might be kind of exciting or even okay. if you're still like into Vegas or something like, like that. Like a lot to or do, like, you mean? Or like... Yeah, like uh, if you're trying to go out and party, I'm not right. saying that that stuff isn't there. Mm-hmm. It definitely was there, um, but like that, those weren't the best things to appreciate about the the, the island. Mm-hmm. I would have appreciated just the general vibe of it. It, it was real cool. Right. Um, I thought the food, though not amazing, was definitely good. Mm-hmm. Better, a lot better than I thought it was going to be because I heard it was going to be whack. Right. Um, and it was cheap. Like I mean, right. we're sitting there getting. There's definitely some restaurants where you can spend it up if you want to, but mm-hmm. you could also go two da- two blocks down the street mm-hmm. and find like you know your good oros con pollo and sip on like ten mojitos for a total of like eleven bucks. Like it's right. magic. So you were in Havana. Yeah. Uh, was it touristy? Was it was it down home? Did it feel exclusive? Like what was what was it like? I want to say that it felt exclusive. Um, there were definitely a lot of tourists there, a okay. lot of American tourists to the point where I think. Obviously, the, the the Cuban government, as well as the vendors, are aware, aware that there's going to be an influx of Americans there. Right. I feel like the Cuban people, um, they kept asking us, like, where are you from? Uh-huh. And it's just like, all right, you, it's clear that we're not from here. Mm-hmm. A lot of us, a lot of them thought we were from uh, from Italy or something. Hmm. Or from there. So I think that they're used to a lot of European, European tourists. tourists yeah. And they're not necessarily aware that it's going to be just a huge influx, influx of Americans. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it was definitely cool, yo. Those vintage cars that you talked about, mm. I did not think I was going to be as impressed as I was. Yeah. They, they never get old. They're so dope. Yeah, that's um, dope. And they use them mostly as like taxis and cabs and stuff. Okay. And um, But like the old architecture, like the old mm. Habana mm. and just like the general just like vibe of the island is definitely dope. I need to mm. go back. Uh, it's I'm really cool. just trying to front, man. I'm trying to stand in front of these cars, pretend like they're mine. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Maybe take a shoot a couple album covers, something like that. Nah, you know? man, you could do all that. You yeah, could do all yeah, that. Yeah, uh, yeah the, the people were friendly. Um, so so uh, how are that, the Afro-Latino ladies, Afro-Latinas? The, the, were they out there? What's up? Uh, I guess they were out there. I mean, like I said, I was with my girl. You, you ain't got you a know. front, man. You know, <laughs> you got eyes. There were a few. Um, there were definitely a few that I was like, dang, like, yeah. all right. But the whole Afro Latina thing, not as much. It was just right. women there in general. They may not even been Cuban. They may not, may not have even been from there. Oh, okay. So, um, but like the the. I guess the people that you would see in the streets, like, nah, it's just like anywhere else. Right. There's going to be a couple that stand out and maybe a couple that are just like, eh. Right. You know? Right. So, 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 so anyway, let, let's transition. I don't want to, I don't want to take too much time, right, you know, right. a, a, away from you and your, you know, your couple's getaway joint, you know <laughs> what I'm saying? I want to get you in any type of trouble. So, uh, you want to talk about current events or, or? Well, I was going to, I was just going to talk about some updates for the, uh, you know, for, uh, for our podcast. Obviously right. we got the Facebook page. We're yeah. going to be, uh, getting the Twitter and the Instagram out there shortly. Yes, sir. But, uh, yeah, I noticed that you, uh, you've been getting busy with the Facebook page. I appreciate that. You got some, hey, you man, got some good material on there. We're trying to get t- up Tell there. us about that. I, yo, the latest thing right now that's going on that has me dying. I mean, I've been laughing about this <laughs> all week is... Bow, 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 bow. Nah, man. Soldier boy, bow. That's, that's too hard. You got to go soft. He's bow, 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 bow. <laughs> so, so Soldier Boy apparently shot somebody um, and then talked about it on DJ Vlad. Nah, he shot like five people. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know if you saw all the different joints okay, that I posted, but 
Joe Budden did one. <laughs> Michael Blackson did one. Mike Epps did one. Like literally yeah, yeah, all these the, dudes the, are all. The joint on the Facebook page is the uh, was the, the the belly joint, right? Yeah, the belly <laughs> where they redid belly with with Soldier Boy's narration, and it, it was it was pretty spot on, man. I think they did a good job. So. This is not what this segment is going to be about, but since we're, we're on it, like, what's your general thought process? Like, just forget the parodies, right? Right. Just with the whole, like, what did you think about it when, when, when you saw it? See, I'm going to, I'm just going to glaze over this topic because I've talked about it way too much and I probably shouldn't talk about it a lot on podcasts, but being somebody growing up in Southern California and then coming over here and seeing this stuff is ridiculous. Um, I remember when, you know, Chris Brown first started banging blood and he was coming out here and he was saying he was from Fruit Town. And I just remember being like, Call why? You know what I'm saying? Like, it's like you grow up and you see those things around you. And it's like it's like an after school special. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's like if you don't need to be involved in those things or you're not from there, I don't understand why you would you would try to go be involved in that. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's definitely a comedic element to it, especially, I don't know if you've seen the Floyd Mayweather and Soldier Boy interview. I think you just posted that. Uh, yeah, you gotta see it if you haven't seen it. But essentially, Floyd Mayweather says, okay, you're from Atlanta, <laughs> which I, th- I think he's not originally yeah, from Atlanta. he's from uh, but Mississippi. Yeah, you're from Atlanta. Chris Brown is from Virginia. VA. Like, how do you guys have a hood in <laughs> LA that you're repping and you're trying to kill man, people over it? Yeah, I've been banging since I was 11 years old when we came out I was out knocking here to people LA. out when I was in high school and yeah, yo, knocking them out pow 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 <laughs> you know, oh, Chris just, Brown we had our we had our you know we had our hood out here Chris Brown ain't been around in two years son pow pow <laughs> so I mean you know I I have a whole theory that I've 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 postulated and I haven't done it on the podcast I'll just give you the high level of it I feel like when people become childhood stars they stop developing in terms of maturity at okay. that point in time you look at my, my biggest example is michael jackson yeah, michael, Jack, michael jackson blew up as a small child he was a grown man you know a small child in a grown man's body you listen to him talk and you're like yo this guy sounds like he's still a child and i feel the same way about Culkin, these dudes macaulay Culkin, yeah, yeah. maybe man. even uh, maybe even bow wow trying to do whatever oh he can to stay relevant orlando brown you know what right, i'm saying right. all these childhood stars and i mean not to say that these people are childhood stars but i mean they both probably popped when they were like 15 years yeah. old uh the maturity level seems like it's still there so okay. that's 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 my take on it uh you know all right so you want to you want to get into the salute me or shoot me segment or yeah how you do so if you if you've been listening to the uh the previous two podcasts you've heard uh yinka from time to time shout out you know salute me or shoot me and usually this is followed by a uh, a potentially controversial statement so Man. we decided hey why don't we make a segment on that bow 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 if he says something i don't like bow bow i'm gonna shoot him bow right bow. So what we're going to do is uh, we decided we're going to each throw out a couple topics, right? A potential controversial point that, that we personally feel. And we're going to argue it, you know, to, to, to the other person. If, at the end, they like it, they salute. If they don't, you know, they're going to shoot it down. So um, we'll try to do it. We'll try our best to do it, you know, play, uh, play devil's advocate. Um, but, yeah, so you're going to hear that. So you got anything else to add or should we get into it nah man uh kick it off i actually think i just came up with one while you were talking so you know uh, i had cool, to hit cool, that up cool. too go ahead uh, let's get ready to rumble all right so we're gonna go ahead and start off uh with, with me my opinion uh i am all right here we go i feel or all right all right, I feel like bow, bow, bow. No, no, no. You ain't right. even confident. Bow, bow. Shot him like bow. No, I'm just kidding. All right, so I'm going to start it off. Uh, salute me or shoot me. The Roots are the most underperforming group in hip-hop. All right, go, go. Make your point. So I don't agree already. Make your point. <laughs> so it's not that I don't like the group, Roots. In fact, I, I love the, the Roots. They're one of my favorite groups. Right. Um, I will be honest and say that I have not necessarily listened to a lot of their new material. Mm-hmm. That has more to do with the fact that, you know, my relationship with hip hop is much more distant than it used to be. So, right. you know, but I feel that as talented as they are, I mean, when you look at, we'll just go with the, we'll just go with the, the, the two up top. We'll say, right. you know, uh, Amir Thompson, yep. Quest Love, 
and uh, and Black Thought. Like Tyra they are some of the most talented in their respective lanes. Yep. Right. And when you look at the over the talent in the group, because they've had they've had rotating members throughout the year. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. Leonard Hubbard was a really good bassist. Oh, he was they've incredible. Had, uh, Scott Storch helped produce. Right. They had, they had uh, was it uh, some someone on the keys? I forget his name. Um, something Pose or whatever. James Poser. Yeah, 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 yeah. They've had some talent. They've had a lot of talented people in the group, even Razel. Yeah. And I think that when you look at how talented they are, mm-hmm. I feel that um, some of them, a lot of the music that they put out there, I feel has been underwhelming when you just look at just how talented they are. So okay. I can go more into it unless you want to yeah. go, go off with the initial point here. Um, I'm going to shoot you. Uh, right. I, I got to shoot automatically you. Automatically down. I, off right. top, I got to shoot you. And the reason I got to shoot you is because um, I don't agree... Um, I, I look at the roots, I think, differently from you and okay. some other people. Um, I look at the roots as a super group. And uh, as a result of looking at the roots as a super group, I look at the roots as a sum of all of the side and pet projects that they've done, as well as what they've done collectively. I okay. think if you made the same argument just about um, Tariq, just about uh, Black Thought, right? I would agree with you. But to make that statement about the group, I disagree. So let me ask you something. Okay. When, all right, there have been numerous discussions about this, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'm not sure if you and I have ever talked about it. So I forget, if we did, I forget where you stand on it. Mm-hmm. But in your opinion, who are the greatest hip hop groups of all time? Ooh, oh, that's tough off the top of my I head. Know, I know the three that I would state. Okay, who? I feel like, and, and, and uh, I remember there was like some kind of conversations about this and people came to like a consensus opinion, but okay. you guys can agree or disagree, but I feel it's, it's Tribe Called Quest, okay, easy. it's Outkast, okay. and it's Wu-Tang Clan. Yeah, those are fair. I think that the roots, mm-hmm. when you look at how talented they are, they should be in that tier and they're okay. not. Okay. I feel like when, if you ask people like who are, the, who are hip-hop's best groups, I don't feel that they would put the roots into that uh, that equation. Mm-hmm. And I think that when you look at some of their music, um, you know, any of their albums, okay. and, and minus anything after like Rising Down, mm-hmm. okay, because I haven't really gotten into that. So maybe that, that's, you know, shame on me. I probably should have listened mm-hmm. to, to those albums a little bit before I came with this argument. Right. But I think that, I think that like, like when you look at like, a, all right, Things Fall Apart is probably considered their greatest album, right? Right. Uh, w- w- would you agree? Or um, Yeah, in terms of, of consensus, yeah. And, you know, people talk about, like, um, a little bit of a tangent here, but I remember there used to be a, a space in the, in the, in the hip-hop, um, when people, the hip-hop discourse, when they were talking about, oh, you know, 3-6 uh, is whack, or um, whoever these groups were coming out like uh, Cash Money were like oh they, they don't talk about anything right all they mm-hmm. talk about is is cars and money and gangsta and all this other stuff right. right but like they give a pass to Roots and Things Fall Apart like Things Fall Apart with the exception of a couple tracks on that maybe like The Spark and the joint with like Erica Badu like Black Thought's not talking about anything on that album he really isn't I don't There's, think The Spark is on that album The Spark is definitely on that I think it's like track four it's after, okay. the, it's okay. after uh, the next movement okay yeah and uh, maybe it's track three uh, anyway. either way like he, they're not talking about anything so, on that so, album and so and so if that matters to you right like I think that uh, I think that when you have someone who is as talented as Black Thought, and he's supposed to be like a conscious rapper on your best album, there's literally no subject matter other than just like, "Hey, I can rhyme." That's pretty much what he's talking about. And it's not a, I'm not like trying to diss the man, mm. you know, because I love Black Thought. Even met the guy; he's really cool, really cool, open, charismatic character. Like nothing but love for for Tariq Trotter. But um, you know, after following that album, right? You they followed it up with Phenology, and I think that that they got a couple really really good songs on that album mm-hmm. um but malik b you know kind of kind of kind of fell off from the group a little bit and then you know there's just i feel like you know the projects that they did like they're they're they've just kind of been underwhelming like they don't have enough classic records for me especially when if you go to see the roots live performance like the, the roots in performance are amazing they're but i li- think that's live what shows. negates your point right so like, so so, okay. so i mean i think i think you know I, I get what your 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 argument is against their catalog, mm-hmm. um, I, but I think that the things that they've done from the perspective of being hip hop's band um, are things that are 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 stellar. 
Like I think that they just even even this Kimmel situation, you know what I mean? They've opened doors and created opportunities in hip hop that really haven't been done. Or oh, oh Fallon, I'm sorry, Fallon. Yeah, yeah, Fallon. yeah. But um, yeah. So I mean, I I think that when you look at 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 those things, um, when you look at the fact that they are still they're still relevant as they a, as a hip hop yeah. band, and I mean, you know, even them being a house band, people, you know, they still fill up shows wherever they go doing their their thing. Um, and then outside of that, I mean, just you look at just Questlove's contribution individually. Of um, course, you of know, course. I mean, one of the co-founders of of neo soul as a, a genre, the Soul Quarians. Um, yeah, in the in the Soul Quarians, helping out with uh, was you he, know uh, D'Angelo's album. Was he part of the Uma? Or was that just uh, was that just Jay Dilla? It was and, uh, Dilla. And yeah, he was. Yeah, Dilla, was Q-Tip, that? and and Quest, I think, also. Um, but yeah, and then you know, as an author now, you know yeah. him him writing a yeah. uh, great book. I, I think I, I and put as you a DJ, to, dope ass um, DJ, dope DJ. Love love uh, all the all that stuff, putting events and things like that together. I mean, I think I think they've contributed a whole lot, and and I'd say that it's unfair to compare them to any of the three groups except one that you that you mentioned. Um, I think it's fair to compare them to Woo just because I also kind of see Woo as a super group. Mm-hmm. But um, the way that, you know, an outcast or the way that a tribe called Quest are a group in terms of like they're dudes that grew up together and, mm-hmm. and, and, and chilled with each other closely and sat and made albums. I just don't think that it's fair to to make that comparison with the roots. Because I just don't think they're the same thing. So my thing, though, is like when you look at like Outkast in particular, right? Mm-hmm. Or we'll say, you know, Wu-Tang Clan, right? Um, and I am going to include all the solo albums. So everything that they did from 36 Chambers up until The Pillage, right? Mm-hmm. So that would be 36 Chambers, Takao, Return of the 36 Chambers, uh, Only Built for Cuban Links, Liquid Swords, Iron Man, Wu-Tang Forever, and The Pillage. Like, so that collection, like every single one of those albums is really, really good. Some are a lot better than others. Some are classic. Some are like five mic, like, you know. But mm-hmm. all that stuff is really, really good material. When you look at Outkast, you know, when they did uh, Southern Playlist of Cadillac Music, AT Aliens, Stanconia, um, Equimini, uh, and even like The Love Below, like those are all like just quintessential classic albums. Yep. Um, maybe some are better than others, but like they're, like that catalog is just, is just amazing. Tri Call Quest, may, maybe not as much so. Definitely uh, um, Low End Theory and... Uh, and um, and Midnight Marauders. And um, I, I would even put Love Movement on it. Okay. I don't think it's a classic, but I think it's close. And we might we might do that one. one right. Time. And so, but the thing is, like, when you think about, the like, the roots, you know, all right, Organics was, you know, they were but just fam, signed off. But fam, 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 fam. I don't think that it's fair that we, as black people who like black music, hold our groups to a standard where they all have to be the same thing. That's um, true. In rock music, you have certain bands that are just great. Like, you know, they make stadium music where they just perform and they just yeah. tear the house down and they can do that all their lives. They're 80 years old and they're true. still on stage doing that. And and we and we we say they're great. You know what okay. I mean? But, you know, Bruce Springsteen hasn't come out with a with a, a dope album in a while, probably. Okay. But I mean, Bruce Springsteen is still the, the, the number two behind Beyonce, the number two, you know, selling performer in the world. So I mean, the, the roots, what the roots have not had a run in terms of of like the way Wu Tang had a run of studio albums. Yeah, but they're they're not a studio album group. They're a they're a they're a performing band that happens to also make albums. So my question to you would be this: um, If there, so are you giving them props for being a band? Am I giving them props for being because a band? Because they're no. like hip-hops for the longest time. They were hip-hops only like live instrumentation. Right, band. right. And I think that that might get them extra points it in does. your argument. And I think that we, I don't think that you can dismiss studio albums. Like you're still yeah. making hip-hop music. So I'm not dismissing studio albums, but what I'm saying is every every group or every, you know, there, there, we, we in black music should and in, in hip hop music should allow for the same diversity that other music music has, right? And um and I, but I, but I, I think that there's some credence to your argument, and I think a lot of your criticisms can be lobbed directly at black thought. 
and actually still be relevant criticisms. Um, right, so I think they? that Black Thought has underperformed in terms of his skill level, his yeah. talent, his ability as an MC versus what he's done. Okay. Um, we waited for his, I remember right around the time that Soul Survivor came out, the Pete Rock album, um, Black Thought's solo album was also being listed in right. the source every month and Double XL as this album that was supposed to come out, never came out. Um, I'm not sure we necessarily saw growth. I, I don't. I don't know if I've seen growth in Black Thought as an artist. Okay. Um, I think Black Thought is still. He's. He. I think he was dope from the beginning. I think he's dope now. But I think he's the same dope that he was back in the day when it was still cool to make songs about rapping about rap. Right. And and being really good at it. I think he's one of the best at rapping about rapping. Mm-hmm. but I'm not sure we ever saw the growth to get some introspection and really understand who he is as a human. So for as talented as uh, Questlove is, right. do you think that, because he's he's always listed as the executive producer of The Roots and, mm. and their albums, yep. do you think that he's delivered on his talent? Um, that is a good question, and that is, that is actually an even better tangent. Um, I do think that he has delivered, but I don't necessarily think he's delivered from the roots. I think he okay. looks at his entire body of work as his work. So That's therefore, fair. Fair. the D'Angelo album, which I keep going back to, mm-hmm. um, if you read his book, he has a whole segment about how you know him and Black Thought and other members of the roots were at odds because they were trying to make things fall apart. And he was spending all his time with D'Angelo trying to make D'Angelo's album gotcha. tight. Okay. So I think that like a lot of his contributions outside of the roots show a broader picture in terms of what he's contributing. So then isn't that then supporting my argument, though, that they have they clearly have talent like this is not a roots hating session. Right. I am. I I'm saying that they are some of the best, you know, they are some of the best of what like uh, hip hop talent has to offer. Right. And I think that what they produced as the roots in terms of in the studio, I mm-hmm. think has been underwhelming for their talent level. And it's not to say that it's bad. It's obviously mm-hmm. good. They would not be successful. They would not have the fan base that they have if they if they were not good. That's I think it should be. I think they had elite level talent. Yeah. And I do not think they put out elite level music mm. from a studio album uh standpoint consistently. Mm-hmm. And that so that is my that is my argument. Yeah. I mean, I think if if you if you consider if you're considering them a studio recording group, um they lack the cohesion that all these other these other groups that we're talking about um had. Um, you know, if they had a consistent cast of their best, if they if you know, if they had Razel and Poiser and Hubbard and and um, and, you know, uh, Scott B. Storch, Malik B. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to go there. Yeah, um, I, I have an appreciation for Malik B. He was really good on Things Fall Apart and Illadelph mm-hmm. uh, uh, and, and do you want? Yeah, more? I mean, I know he had some some personal struggles and things like that. Um, it was dope. It was dope from the perspective of you don't just want to hear the same MC o- over and over again. And I think maybe it's a little bit unfair, but when you compare him to Black Thought, oh, he no. just wasn't on that level. No, he's not. Um, but but yeah, I mean, I, I think I think you know if you were able to get all those people and sit them down for five years, um, and they really you know cohe- created cohesive albums, we might have something better. We have a lot of high points in in their career, but at the same time, we you know I, you're right. I think even their classic, which is Things Fall Apart, isn't necessarily a classic. Um, and and I don't think they ever really achieved that within the time period that they were making albums or are making albums. So my my so my point mm-hmm. uh, that the Roots are the most underperforming uh, group in hip hop. Salute me or shoot me. Uh, you still gonna catch strays because there's because ah. there, there's there's some really underperforming groups out there. Okay. All yeah. Right. So I mean I I mean in my, in my opinion I mean we just the next episode we got coming up is about the firm. Yeah, that's, that's an true. underperforming group. If you even want to call, if you want to call them a group, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's right. a super group argument. All right, anyway, All right. so we'll hit the next joint. Uh, my my salute me or shoot me, and I'm gonna leave with the one that I came up with at the beginning. But um, my salute me or shoot me is that for California, LA music, DJ Quick created the soundtrack of what LA sounds like. And Dr. Dre, who I think is given the credit for creating what the what the LA sound is, I think that he made the LA sound for out of towners, but DJ Quick made the LA sound for people who are actually from LA. Salute me or shoot me. Um, this is tough because <laughs> I don't know the LA sound. Have you ever been to LA? I have been to LA. Okay. I've been to LA twice. Right. And I 
I don't know the LA history right. as well as you do. Uh-huh. Um, but from what I know, I would actually salute you just off the top because right. I'm a you know I'm not a huge like uh, DJ Quick fan in terms of like I know like his catalog. Uh-huh. But when I do think of a Cali sound, I right. do think of yeah I think of Dre, but I kind of think of Quick right. more so than I think of um, more so than I think of Dre. For right. example. Uh, Kendrick Lamar's joint uh, on his To Pimp a Butterfly was it um, uh, King Kunta right mm-hmm. to me that sound that joint sounds straight up quick right. more so than it might sound like Dre mm-hmm. and so I wish that I could even play Devil's Advocate with you right now um, but I can't well so. okay so, so I'll play Devil's Advocate for myself right, right I mean ahead. you just look at the numbers right you know Dre obviously um, sold a lot a whole lot more records right um, you know higher named and higher profile uh you know uh collaborations mm-hmm. you know uh brought snoop dogg to the world right. snoop dogg is kind of the voice of, of of west coast hip-hop you know uh in his own way um you know did a lot of great things and i think you know just universally people say gangster rap g-funk etc etc attributed to dre so i would the gangster the gangster rap we can we can throw that out in terms of this argument at least for right now okay the g-funk thing would be more relevant so do you mm-hmm. think that dr dre was responsible for the g-funk or do you think it was really dj quick well and if you do like what's your what's your what's your argument like what's your album what's your what's your reference point so so g-funk i i actually think that g-funk was created by warren g um okay so and warren g was the person who coined that phrase and etc um you know, and I, I think that's a, a whole history thing that we I could go down a whole you know pigeonhole with, where you know essentially um, Warren G was down with with Dre, who's his cousin, and you know the whole nine, um, and then you know Dre discovers Snoop, and then they blow up, and the whole nine, and, and Death Row becomes a thing, and Warren G doesn't get a shot. And he's like, yo, what's going on? We're supposed to be related. How come I don't, you know, and he, I think I, I heard a podcast where he actually went into depth talking about it. And part of the reason he ended up signing to Def Jam and going all the way out to the East Coast is because of the fact that he felt like his cousin didn't give him a shot. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, G-Funk comes from from Warren G. And, uh, and you know, I guess it was adopted or became uh, something that's attributed to Dr. Dre. I won't make that argument. The argument that I will make is that um, I think people on the East Coast and people worldwide have this image of California. And, you know, even I think it's perpetuated by people like Chris Brown and like Soldier Boy, right? Where that like everywhere you go, it's it's just drive-bys everywhere. You're you're looking at a palm tree and then all of a sudden it's like, pow, oh, pow, 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 oh, 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 you know. He and ended I up mean, in the water, but I couldn't swim. <laughs> so I started walking on water. Right. I put up his mask. The I saw whole who it was. I said, pow, pow. Then I shot him. So, I mean, yeah, you know, I think that I think that Dr. Dre makes movies and I, and I think that okay. it, and his his albums are movies. I think that he's created a really, really dope sound that's really entertaining um, and all the sound effects and all the glamour and glitz. He's really made a Hollywood portrayal of what L.A. is and L.A. life is. Um, but I think L.A. life is a lot more like what's on DJ Quick albums. So, okay, so when you say sound, right, are you talking about more in terms of the actual music itself, like the melodies, the beats, or are you talking about the subject matter? I'm talking about the music itself as well as the subject matter. So when you say, so are you saying that uh, G-Funk is not an L.A. sound? Like, it's, what do you... No, I'm saying that G-Funk um, uh, is... All right, so some of the early uh, Dre was more along the lines of what I think... LA life is about um LA life is a lot of um for example I tell this to a lot of my friends they go to LA and they're like man the clubs close at like 145 like you know LA has no nightlife and I say yo I mean LA life is about house parties yeah you know uh you have to drive 45 minutes to an hour to get anywhere um, so you, you're in your car most of the time, so so the radio matters more. Um, and 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 people don't really people that are from there don't go to clubs as much. Like clubbing is not really a thing. You don't have many fully nude strip clubs. They close early. The clubs close early. So really, it's more about who do you know, who do you meet, and what house party you gonna go to. So if you listen to DJ Quick's music, it's rooted in the house party. He has he has he has songs like his first 
big records were about, yo, I'm at this house party. This is what I'm doing, you know? Or a day in the life of a brother named Quick. I'm just chilling. I'm hanging out on the block. I got you. He makes music that's like, if you if you were going to narrate your day or you were going to narrate your week, it would be a DJ Quick album if you're from L.A. So why is the L.A.? Like, give me an example of the L.A. sound being more reminiscent of Quick and not what Dre was doing with N.W.A. and Snoop. In the sense that if it's a sound, then that means that you know, the local artists need to be sounding like Okay, so so NWA, like well, so that's that's something different too. I'm not talking about him as an MC. Well, what I'm saying is like as a sound though, right? Like the so, sound, so, the so sound of the music. So if you're in New York or you're in Virginia where I was, like right. I am not going to be going throughout my day to day like thinking about like what the LA sound is like, right? And so what I'm saying is, all right, I hear what you're saying about quick, but What's like the evidence that the rest right. of what LA was doing is reflective of what Quick was doing and not what Dre was doing? All right, let me let me take a step back. The sound of an era area to me, a lot of it is dictated on how people consume music. So, for example, New York hip hop, even until recently, was very um four on the floor, up and down, breakbeat centric um music. And a lot of that was because of the fact that New York hip hop was consumed more insularly because people were listening to music on the train in their headphones. And if you listen to if you listen to New York music, it puts you in this mode where like you're sitting on the train and you're looking at somebody that you don't know and it's just like, hmm, you know what I mean? I feel you. Um LA music, LA is is warm. Um, you know, the music is usually consumed in the car or in a house party. Yeah. So, you know, I think Dre makes good music for the car. But I think a lot of his music is like, you know, it's it's huge. Like he makes this huge music that's like, oh, and then I'm chilling and then a 6-4 rolls up and then pow, pow, and then I get shot, pow, you know, whatever. Like, so, I mean, you know, there's, it's, it's really theatric. He makes okay. really theatric m- music and that is really dope. But I mean, if you're just an average guy from LA, like your life is probably not as theatric as, as a Dr. Dre album. Your life is probably a lot more like a DJ Quick album. So the question then would be, do the LA listeners, do they appreciate Dre or Quick more? I think it depends on who you ask. I think people, okay, I think everybody in America, everybody loves a winner. Right. And that's so why Donald Trump Dre. is the president. Right. So, or the, a president-elect. President so, I mean, you know, Dr. Dre's won, obviously. He's he's sold a bajillion records. He's responsible for Eminem and 50 Cent and whatever else. So, everybody loves Dre. Everybody loves Quick. But, like, in terms of who people, like, look up to and kind of, like, want to emulate and et cetera, like, if you ask any of these young Cali artists, they're all going to drop that DJ Quick's name. So, essentially, let's say uh, for any of my football or soccer fans out there, you're saying that Dre is like Pele, but uh, DJ Quick is like Garincha. Garincha was like the hometown favorite, and Pele is the one that the entire world knows. Uh, I guess so. I didn't know about <laughs> Garincha, so I'm just, I learned something new just now. Okay. But, uh, yeah, that's my argument there. Sonically, uh, appreciate both dudes, uh, but DJ Quick is like when I was in Cali, and it's funny because growing up, like when I was growing up in Cali, I wasn't a huge DJ Quick fan uh, from the perspective of his lyricism. Mm-hmm. Like I used to say stuff like, "I wish I could just get this album just the instrumentals." Yeah, because I didn't. I liked super lyrical hip hop, and I didn't feel like he made super lyrical hip hop. Did Dre? But um, no. But I think. Snoop is very talented. Right. Corrupt is very talented. You know, he had guys that were going. So his, if so, stuff. even if he didn't do it, he provided. Right, uh, right, gotcha. right. So he facilitated, and and, and yeah, even anyway. even Ice Cube with the NWA, Cube, he provided that lyrical right. aspect. Right, and, and yo, and and that's another thing. Uh, before we we close out on this topic, the music that was popular from NWA is also not the sound of LA. I would definitely kind of agree with that. So, I mean, I think at the time they were emulating Bomb Squad and they'll even tell you they were emulating Bomb Squad. They were trying to make music like Public Enemy and their stuff is very four on the floor, break break beat centric. Like the music at that point in time, I think Dre hadn't really quite found his his own personal steez and I don't think he did until The Chronic. Okay. 
But so you want to reiterate your point? I can. Yeah. So my point is, you know, DJ Quick makes the sound of LA in terms of his music. Salute me or shoot me. I'm going to salute you, but that's also with the caveat that I'm from Virginia, and Where I was not there. You know, I. You said what? Where ain't shit to do but cook. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'm from Virginia, <laughs> where ain't shit to do but cook. Shout out to Clips. Um. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna go ahead and salute it, but yeah, it's just with the caveat that you know I'm not from LA, so I can't really argue That's one fair. way or the other. Sure. But uh, I also am a fan of DJ Quick from a sound perspective, and, and I will say that when I hear beats that are like that remind me of LA, mm-hmm. there definitely are some that are that, that are great, but. There's a lot of beats that I'm like, oh, yo, man, that, that just sounds like quick, like, uh, yeah. like uh, too short, um, blow the whistle, right? Like that mm-hmm. just to me, like kind of sounds just like a quick beat. See, and know? that that I have an issue with because and and we don't have to go down this rabbit hole, but I'll, I'll just start it out. Blow the whistle is a very so there was a time frame where Atlanta was kind of still running it mm-hmm. and the Bay, the Bay Area yeah. sound kind of fused. And that's where you get the blow the whistles. It's just that bass but the bay line, is though, so different. I'm not thinking about the drums. I'm talking about the doom, 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 doom. Just the bass, like yeah, that. But that's bass a bay line. area sound, and that's yeah. And that's but why that still people, sound that that and, still sounds to me like it'd be more like. Quick. And, and that's the reason why people from the bay are mad at DJ Mustard because they feel as though DJ Mustard took their mm, sound, okay. and commercialized it. But anyway, right. so we're gonna get into the next one. Yeah, man, it's on you. All right. So salute me or shoot me, RZA is the most influential producer of the late 90s and the early 2000s. Boom. Make your argument. So it's, I'm not saying that he was the best producer. I'm not saying that around that time um, he was putting out the best music. What I'm saying is that the way hip hop was in the late 1990s and the early 2000s, all these groups and the individual MCs, um, including Jay-Z, okay. they were all doing things that RZA did first. Mm-hmm. And not only that, the hottest producers at the time, at least from the Northeastern perspective, so at least, you know, the New York, uh, Heatmakers, uh, Just Blaze, and Kanye West were yeah. all taking RZA sound. Right. Right. So, 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 just some, so just some, you know, uh, some, some background here. Um, RZA, what he did was obviously he took, you know, he formed the supergroup Wu Tang Clan, took, you know, nine different MCs and a bunch of other affiliates, whatever, put them all on one group, and then had solo albums. Not for each of them, but the idea in mind was that eventually each of them would have their own solo right. albums. But in doing so, not only did he create his own record label, he also put several of them on their on the on their record labels of their own. I think it like Ghostface was on like LaFace. Uh um, Ghostface was on Epic. Is that what he was? All yeah. right. He was on that. Uh, Method Man was obviously on Def Jam. Yeah. Um, I think uh, Inspector Deck was on Loud Records. Right. Um, Jizza was on Geffen. Uh, I forget where Old Dirty, Old Dirty Bastard was on, and I forget where I think Raekwon was on Loud as well. Right. And so, so he he has them all do their individual solo album, and then comes back right. for a, a a a group project that was, in my mind, was a, a massive success. Right. Not only that, you also had the Wu Tang brand, like the clothing line brand. Um, they had their they you know they had their you know first it would just be like individual clothes um but then they had their woo wear they had the 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 their own um their own wallaby uh slipper <laughs> and so they had you know it like wu-tang wasn't just like music it was a huge brand and i think when you look at like rough riders right right rough riders they had a logo they were branding that and then you had you had the Rough Riders come together and make their individual, uh, you know, their group project. Mm-hmm. And then they all try to do their individual projects as well. You right. look at, you know, 50 Cent and uh, what was his group? I don't even remember his group. Uh, G-Unit. 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 Same thing. They had their solo albums. They had they had their, their group collective joint. And then they also had their, um, they had their clothing line. Right. Jay-Z. Jay-Z, you know, Rock, rock uh, they had the Rock La Familia. They had their individual, um, they had their individual albums being a single, Memphis Bleak. Uh, did Emil do something? Um, yeah, she, she tried did, to. She, she tried yeah, to, right? Yeah. I um, think she actually did have an album called All Money Is Legal that nobody listened to. Right, so she might as well not have done anything. But either way, uh, either way, they had their individual joints and then they tried to come together. And of course, they had Rockaway, mm. right? Um, and so I think that when you, when you think about that perspective, to me, even if other... Like someone might say, oh, well, you know, NWA did it first, but I don't think NWA was successful. So quick question. Was Wu Wear a precursor to Rock Aware? I'm not I sure believe that. so. 
because I'm not sure that's a fact. Well, I don't know when Rockwear came out, but Wu-Wear, I mean, they started doing their thing in like 97, 98. And even before then, they still had Wu-Tang clothing that was out, right. which may not matter because, you know, right. Run DMC probably had their thing. And But Wu-Wear, I'm pretty sure, was 97, 98. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't know when Rockwear came out. Yeah, I think um, I think some of the the moves the moves that they made were in parallel to some of the moves Rocco, Rockefeller made. All right, we might have to um, fact check that. But I do, but I do, I, I do agree with you. I'm still not shooting you, so go ahead. Right. And so then also <laughs> when you when you think about uh, so that's just with that's just from a marketing branding perspective. Mm-hmm. And so if you were to give me another example of some artist who may have done it beforehand, right? Mm-hmm. I don't think that the the idea of making you know the super group. Uh, group collaborative effort, solo solo group albums, all on different labels mm-hmm. um, with a different sound, uh, and then coming back and doing a successful collaborative effort again. I don't think any group who may have done it before Wu-Tang Clan was nearly as successful. I think that Wu-Tang kind of provided the model for that. Mm-hmm. Then when you just get into the sound itself, right. when you look at Heat Makers, when you look at uh, Kanye West and Just Blaze, the whole sped up sample, sped up soul sample. Okay. Again, RZA actually was not the first one to do it. I think Marley Ma did it on uh, LL Cool J's Around the Way Girl. Okay. But the way he did it wasn't the same way. Like It wasn't the right, same right, like, right. sped up soul sample. Like right. RZA would take a sample that was like some obscure thing that you would never Never think would make a hip hop beat. Speed it up, and you know, this is before it became like kind of annoying. Mm-hmm. But he did it in a way that was just so sharp and so polished. If you want a good example of where he's doing it, you could check out uh, RZA's Bobby Digital. Mm-hmm. You may not like that album. A really good example of where he did it is on Wu Tang Forever um, track number three, mm-hmm. which is uh, Heaven Sake. Oh, Heaven Sake. Yeah, Heaven yeah. Sake. Um, no, Heaven Sake. No, nah, no. Nah. Oh, oh sake, heaven sake, for heaven's heaven sake. sake. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, that uh, was fine. And so, like, there is no denying. And I, I think that even if you asked each of these producers, heat makers, which, if you're unfamiliar, they were doing a lot of stuff for for Dipset. Yep. Um, Just Blaze did. Um, um, you don't know mm-hmm. on 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 Jay Z's Blueprint, and yeah. Kanye West did all the stuff that he was doing. Oh, I think boy, even if you asked them. They would even tell you that RZA was such a huge, huge influence on what they were doing. Kanye definitely does. Yeah. So yeah. that that to me is my argument. I think that, you know, I'm not saying that he was the best. I'm not saying he was better than Timberland or Neptunes, Pharrell or Just Blaze. I'm not saying he was better. I'm saying that given everything that from a marketing perspective, what they were doing and from a sound perspective, I think that RZA is the most influential producer of the late 90s and early 2000s. Salute me or shoot me. I salute you, man. That's, 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 that's a we got a winner. That's an easy win. one. Winner, winner, chicken dinner, man. No pow, 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 pow. All right, cool. All so right. you got, so you got um, one more. So yeah, uh, one more. I brought this up actually on the uh, the Takao podcast, but basically, my uh, my thesis is uh, basically that Eric Sermon is the most underrated producer of all time. And I think I might shoot you down on this one. Okay. All right. So but let me let me get, get, get into it first. Yeah, okay. So I'll get into it. Uh, essentially, Eric Sermon uh, was one of the first people to come with, uh, I guess, the sound that would eventually become, you know, the Death Row, Dr. Dre, et cetera. Sound wow. In terms of taking um, the more, more bounce to the ounces in, the, in these funk records okay. and flipping them and, put, and putting them out. And, so and this is with what, EPMD? EPMD, so this early is, um, 90s. This is... Um, Oh, what's the track that you got to chill, right? Yeah, like yeah, those okay. joints. Um, they also did um the uh seven minutes of funk or whatever the joint that it eventually became ain't no nigga by by uh right. Jay. Um, so it, Eric Sermon was producing those. So Eric Sermon was producing I don't even those. Think about and wow, and, and about so that. Eric Sermon essentially has been doing making consistently great productions since like we're talking like the line late of 80s, when 1990. Yeah, yeah, late eighties, early nineties. All the way up until now, I mean, he put out a mixtape, I think, two years ago, uh, and the beats were all fire. Right. He's I mean, a good producer, like, absolutely. he's an incredible producer, um, but he's somebody that, like, Yo, you know, up, everybody gives their top five, top 10, right. top 25. His name doesn't come up. All right. And that's and where so, I would. All right. So then maybe. So the reason why I was going to shoot you down is because okay. I was going to I was going to challenge you. Like, in mm-hmm. my opinion, who are the elite of the elite producers in hip hop history. Who, who would right. you say? So the elite of the elite are, you know, your your easy ones, your primos, mm-hmm. your your Pete Rocks. I actually wouldn't even your, put Pete Rock in there. Okay, that's cool. Um your um 
Timbaland. Timbaland. Um, you know, I I have the new guys. I have the Just Blazes. Okay. I have Kanye. Wow, I okay. have um, Dr. Dre. Um, Quick. You know, I mean, RZA. You know, so all, so all me, the names. Right? So for me, my my top five, my elite of the elite okay. are uh, Dr. Dre, DJ Premier, uh, Dilla, RZA, and Timbaland. Those okay. that, those are to me are the elite of the elite, elite, elite. So I think each and of so, those five are in my top ten as well. Right. I don't think that that has anything to do with Eric Sermon because I don't even think he would be in your next five or your five after that. Well, okay. So I don't necessarily do it a rank by like by like fives. I just do a general tier. And so for me, I would actually like to me. There's the elite tier, and then you can go first tier down from that second tier. P Rock would probably be in the in the first tier along with someone like maybe neptunes um havoc um who else might i put in there maybe a dj quick um but i would be comfortable putting eric sermon in that first tier so mm. that's me but your okay. your argument i guess my would argument be that other is that people don't do that yeah no he's not he's nowhere mentioned like he's not okay. even in in people's top 10 and i mean um it's almost like he's just like this, this like silent. I mean, when people hear it, they go crazy. They hear the records. I mean, just like music, I think was his was his just biggest like record. Um, yeah, and you know, I mean, and it's so funny because when you hear him talk about these records, and it's just like, yeah, you know, I, I hooked this thing up, and I thought it was gonna be cool. It was all right, and then you know, it's just this huge mega hit. Yeah. But um, I mean, if you really want to talk about timelines. I would be curious to hear what producers would admit that Eric Sermon influenced them because he's done a lot of things that predate a lot of the stuff that later became popular, you know? Well, even if they didn't, I can understand why they didn't, right? Mm -hmm. In the sense that, I mean, like, let's not pretend that politics is not a thing. Even in music, politics is going to be anywhere, right? And what benefit do you get by saying that Eric Sermon is is you know is one of your influences and from that mm. perspective like you don't gain anything like by that like but like no, kanye will say that rizza influenced him i think that there's you know a benefit I mean? from that though how so because i think that i think that there are more wu-tang fans mm. in general than there might be like eric sermon fans you know it's weird maybe and maybe this is this works to his detriment right um Eric Sermon and and EPMD were really really cool in the late eighties, yeah, know, early nineties. Right? Early nineties. So, were they were they big in the late eighties? I mean, it'd be like eighty nine, like eighty eight. Was it eighty eight for real? Something like that. Wow, I mean, okay. they, they, yeah, they they've been they've been there since the Rakim, the you know the early Rakim days. Yeah. Um, and so you know their era, when you really think about it, in terms of when they were cool and people wanted to be them. There was another group that was almost doing them from a mainstream and commercial and marketing perspective better than them. With Run DMC. Oh, Run DMC. So Run DMC. I would... I don't... Wow, okay. Because Run DMC, Run DMC was also, you know, I mean, kind of two, three-man group, two-man, really, with the the DJ. Yeah, but their sound Um, was so different. And they were clearly... Okay, look at the cover of the first couple EPMD albums okay. and then look at the cover of, of a Run DMC album. It's almost like similar in terms of the way they were marketed, except Run DMC had the whole, you know, Adidas, yeah. that DMC hat, the, you know, et cetera. Like they had all the things that make something universally cool to the point where Run DMC is currently suing people because they're still putting them on the front of their shirts and still using their iconic logo, yeah. you know, to make gear. So, I mean, I think and they Eric- were just much better marketed Eric Sermon's uh, his claim to fame and from a from a uh, not from a marketing standpoint but from a fashion standpoint is introducing the hoodie into hip hop really I'm pretty sure he he yeah I think that the whole idea of the hoodie I think that I, I saw somewhere some video where he was saying like he was the first one to do it and Damn. I like was his, which is which I'm, is nothing just... to necessarily be proud of it's, I'm not yeah. it's not it's not a knock or diss yeah. but like when you compare you know like you know, Adidas mm-hmm. or like the Gazelle shades or even someone like the hockey jerseys were big. I think like Snoop used to do that or whatever, yeah. right? Like that was a much bigger fashion statement yeah. than the hoodie. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I think that's that's horrible. Um, <laughs> if I were him, I wouldn't even say that. Like I wouldn't tell people that. But um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, again, I, I, I'm, I don't want to go super into it because then it, it gets to, you know, me actually pulling out records and talking about specific records. But, um, but the dude, man, immensely talented. I love a lot of his music and I just don't really feel like he gets his just due. All right. All right. So. So salute me or shoot me. 
Salute you, shoot you. Eric Sim is the most uh, underrated hip hop producer. Right. Me personally, I'm going to shoot you down. So, but but from it's because from my under from my perspective, he goes in that like first tier, which is so. Like, he's so the then next in tier that case, from, like the Pete Rock. If if I'm shot or from from like the if I'm guy. shot, who who would you say is the most underrated producer of all time? Uh, who would I? Oh, is a um, who's the most underrated producer of all time? Um, man, that is oh, it's not easy, right? Because we're, we're gonna have to cut some of this out. Let me think. Right. Let me let me think. Because I I personally would say DJ Quick, but DJ Quick is respected by yeah. certain groups. He's not respected on the mainstream level that that Dr. Dre is, but people who are heads respect him, and and his name comes up in people's lists. Eric Sermon's name does not come up. I don't hear it at all. That's fair. Um, he doesn't even come up in terms of like being the best best producer on the mic. Uh, like that, people don't even when they like who's the best yeah. producer on the mic. They don't even talk about him. Exactly. Um, and I think that he's better at producing than Diamond Diaz. Okay. Uh, people talk about Q Tip, so Q Tip gets his props for being a good producer. Uh, what about? Um, what about maybe someone like Easy Mo B? Eric Sermon is so much better yeah. of a producer than Easy Mo B that I wouldn't even. I don't know who I would say. It's it's such a hard, and that's why I was kind of like going to shoot you down because it's such a hard thing to say. Like who's even underrated as a producer? Yeah. Um. You know who I who else I think is really underrated as that? a producer? E Swift from the Liquid. The I don't Liquid. Even know who that is. The guy who made all the beats for the alcoholics. Which I've never really listened to. Man, you, you need to get on that. We're going to do another another podcast. on. on I will say, all right, okay, me personally, I don't think that, I do not underrate Eric Sermon personally. Okay. However, given your arguments, I can salute you. I will say that, yes, Eric Sermon is the most underrated. Because oh, I do hear his name it. a lot more than I hear Pete Rock, Havoc. Um, just anybody. I think you're right. I don't think enough people talk about Eric Simmons. So from that perspective, yes, I can salute you. That's a good point. Boom. Love it. All right. So anything else we want to discuss on this one before we wrap it up? Um, not necessarily. Just be on the lookout for uh for our next make it a classic. Uh it's gonna be the firm. Um and just some clarification on that because there've been some some people who've been worried that we're going to absolutely trash these albums. It's not these <laughs> albums that we're doing. They're not necessarily shout out to Brian Fernandez. <laughs> they're not necessarily bad pieces of music. We just think that they should have been better based off of a lot of factors. Yeah, I think also we want to include the fact that um, we we liked or appreciated the albums enough yeah. to want to um to, to say that they had redeemable qualities right. and we wanted to try to make them classics um you know we just talked about method man on the last one we're both huge method man fans yeah. we're both big wu-tang fans um so we definitely did not mean to trash the album just street life um, <laughs> <laughs> so, i got you nah, but uh but anyway yeah we got we got um actually uh the firm album coming yeah. up um, we got Blueprint 2 Gift coming up. Yeah, in the in the chamber. You know what I'm saying, Shunt? So uh, we got a few great ones coming up. Uh, feel free to hit us on the uh, on our Facebook page or our Twitter yeah. and, and let us know some albums that you might want to discuss. Uh, and, you know, in the future, we're also looking into trying to, trying to incorporate some guests. So, you know, stay tuned. All right, y'all. Peace. Peace.